I'm Hunter Hayes. Blast off to the music universe. What a fun interview today. My gosh. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hunter Hayes. I mean, he's he's back with the Red Sky album and Red Sky tour. And uh, we caught him in Milwaukee on his tour bus ahead of a show uh, as the tour wraps, you know. So um, very, very candid, very open. And we spoke th- with him for like 30 minutes straight. Yep. It was great. It's rare that some of these interviews go that long anymore, but we've been having a couple of really great um, candid interviews of late. And uh, this is one of them. He opens up about anxiety, about his musical process, about how he views himself as an artist. It was just a, a, a true, true pleasure to, uh, to get to talk to him. Really an honor. Yes, it was. And, uh, you know, the, the album is out and he, uh, he talks very candid about how he's transitioned from, you know, the country pop label to singer songwriter, which he said he's always been. And I mean, it's such a good, good interview that you guys just have to listen. And, you know, if, if you're, if you can catch video of this, you know, it's up on YouTube and Spotify where available as well. So um, let's just get right down to it. It's our interview with Hunter Hayes. Well, Hunter Hayes, welcome to the music universe. How are you today, sir? And where are you today in the back lounge of your bus there? Where are you? Where's that bus parked? (laughs) Back of the bus. And I cleaned up just what's in the frame. Everything else (laughs) in this room is a disaster. (laughs) I am a, I'm in Milwaukee. We're uh, just outside of the venue and uh, we're on like the last of like the last three shows of the tour. And I'm kind of sad about it, but I'm trying to stay positive. And like, this has been a a life changing run for me. So um, yeah, really, really grateful, really happy. And also just trying to, yeah, just trying to stay present and not think about how sad it's going to be to take everything off this bus. (laughs) Well, the Red Sky tour in support of the Red Sky album. Is this your first headlining tour as an independent artist uh, coming off of uh, this album here? Yes. Um, It's my first. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I became an independent artist trying to remember the timeline because it all got messed up with the pandemic but yes right right before the pandemic so at the end of 2019 going into 2020 um was my first time being an independent artist again in probably 10 so years um so yeah this is my first time touring yeah this to answer your question long form yes this is my first time touring as an independent artist yeah very cool how do do you like the uh independence there's a lot to unpack there i mean it's um it's a, it's incredible. There are parts, I got really lucky, you know, I worked with a, a label full of great people, you know, we had great experiences, we had a lot of success together. Um, so my experience was mostly good. <laughs> um, that said, I think the portion of it that, you know, um, we call it even better if, you know, we, when we assess everything and we talk about you know, rather than saying, well, this went wrong, we say, well, you know, it would be even better if, um, and the even better if, I think, in that case is, there were so many songs, I would toss in, you know, um, and again, I'm saying this in the context of what I just said, so I don't want it to be, you know, taken the wrong way, but, you know, I would turn in hundreds of songs a year to, um, 
to the response of, well, that's not what we're looking for. You know, keep writing and, <laughs> and hope for the best, you know? Whereas like, I felt really confident about the music that I was making and I loved what I was making and I knew that what I was making would connect with the fans that I play in front of every night. And so my experience now is there's so much more room for me to trust my intuition. And there's so much more room for me to trust the relationship that I have with fans. On this tour, it's a great example. There are people who are showing up that have been here for 10 years and have been following me for 10 years. And, um, and, and they are a reminder of why I do what I do and what it is specifically that I do, you know, um, and what, what the, the core of my artistry and, and, and the way that I make music and what I make music about, um, that it matters. <laughs> um, right. It matters to them. It matters to me. And so I think it's, it's so nice to, you know, be able to sort of craft my dream team um, and not just sort of like, you know, integrate into a system that already exists. Um, and I, I guess I like the way I've described it to some of my sort of like business partners is like, I feel like I'm in my second career. I got to experience everything. I got to experience this massive success. And then, you know, over the pandemic, it was sort of a forced pause where I said, okay, what could I change if I could change anything? And I did it. And this tour, like I was just talking to, you know, a longtime business partner last night. I was like, I, I'm just, I'm thrilled by this tour because it's taught me, you know, what happens when you stick to your, your instincts, your core, your alignment with your purpose. And um, I know that I'm talking a lot about this, but uh, I appreciate the question and it does mean a lot to me. And I, I want other people to hear this because I think it's a lesson that I wish I knew earlier. Well, and I know that Red Sky, the album, gives you that freedom. And I know people know you from country, but you're heading into that singer-songwriter territory, getting to do songs that, that maybe that label, as supportive as they were, would, would tell you no. So what was the process like for writing this and then, you know, prolific as you are as a writer, whittling it down then to the songs for this album? It started out as three different albums. There was an album that I felt like this will probably be the, the easiest thing for me to put out considering what I just put out. And this was all based on assumptions and beliefs that like I'm not allowed to, to make certain kind of music or I'm not a, allowed to sort of try this or, you know, I was worried about how people would respond to, you know, this, that, whatever. So I kind of crafted this sort of like three-part series um, where one was um, sort of like a little bit closer to familiar sounds. One was, because I think the whole thing is like, I'm not necessarily moving into singer-songwriter. I just realized that the easiest way to explain it to people is to say, I am a singer-songwriter. I've always been a singer-songwriter. That hasn't changed, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I was really struggling with like people, you know, we labeled a couple songs as pop and people were like, oh, he's going pop. And it's like, but I'm still just like making music. I'm just doing all of it versus like it getting filtered down to like two songs that you hear. So. I think that was my way of saying like, nothing has changed. You're just gonna hear all of it now. Um, so, you know, filtering songs, I think at first it was like, you know, how do we, you know, if we're gonna call it pop, we have to put out the most like pop songs. And I was like, yeah, but, and that, that like both, I wanted to trust the people that were advising me and at the same time I had to listen to my gut and I was like yeah but that's not what, what I'm doing right I'm not like making a pivot right we're just trying to figure out what to call it so that I could do more of what I love to do not just some of what I love to do so I think it was just like 
it was it was three different albums one was sort of like this alternative rock thing that had a lot of angst and anger and it, it captured all of the sort of like you know the negative portions of my experiences and then there was like this really pop jazz soul blues influenced like I don't know what to call this but this is what happens when I have fun album and then there was sort of this batch of songs that were just like kind of evergreen they just they they said so much about just self-worth and self-care and 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 identity and and you know it's t touched on all those topics and and it, and it was my team's suggestion they were like well let's not consider because i like working several albums ahead now i like having material working on material you know in a writing and or production state far from when the release date is so that you know this project i can focus on i know what it is i can talk about it whereas the next project i can live in it and figure out what it is and like play with it still and there's no pressure to figure it out right. but what this did was it combined all of those things and and my was it was my management team that was just like you know i think now is the time for you to show people all of what you do and not be so strategic about like this has to come out first, this has to come out first, this has to come out first, you know, next. And and the, the, the track listing followed the, the hero's journey, um, the 12 steps of the hero's journey, because I felt like that helped me understand my own story. And like, and also like, I didn't want to make it about myself. Like I didn't like, like I really don't want to be the guy doing interviews going like, this is about my relationship with the industry. I've told fans that some of these songs are about my relationship with the industry, but that's not what this album is. This album, I just wanted for people who may be going through a similar life sort of um, existential crisis or whatever um, to have this album as like a companion, you know? And so um, picking the songs became easy when I got to the, the hero's journey, because then it was like, you know, what identifies with this step and what makes me feel this and, um, and what matters here to the story. And, and it allowed me to sort of like sync it all together um, in sort of a movie format that helped me realize what the story of the album was outside of like, you know, my own story. Right. No, that's fantastic. That's really cool. And it looks like you're doing something really cool um, while you're on tour. You're you're doing, um, or you've hosted listening events, some album parties, and some some surprise pop ups. What that's got to be cool. I mean, you just you know put that out on social media, and then fans just show up. I guess. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, we've done a couple surprise like listening parties. We did one in Nashville, like my favorite like venue slash like my home away from home. I'm there like all the time. Um, it's like this speakeasy jazz place that I love and I've always wanted to play a show there. So it's kind of my excuse to play a show and do a listening party. Um, and then we did one in LA at the Dolby theater. We got to listen and, and sort of that in that format, which I'd never heard the whole album in that whole, I mean, I've heard it obviously, but never like in a gorgeous setting like that. And, yeah. um, we've done, we've done a couple of different surprise events and, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's just like, I think my fans, the people that I make music for, um, I don't know, I really appreciate connection. And so I think anytime we we have a second, we have an opportunity to make, you know, true connection outside of the show. Um, I think they know how important it is to me. And I think I feel like I, I, I know how important it is to them to have that connection and for us to have that connection. So um, yeah, it's, it's 
they're just really fun. Those events, you know, outside of the tour and especially because it was right, it was leading up to tour. Everybody was questioning like, what are we going to do on tour? Are we going to you know, just do Red Sky? Are we going to do some of the old stuff? Are we going to do some of Wild Blue? Um, it was kind of a chance to honestly hear from them <laughs> and hear what they wanted, you know, because we were guessing. And um, and yeah, it was, they've just been just cool places to, to talk to people and just reconnect after, you know, obviously years of being disconnected and trying to stay connected but it's it's not it's not easy and this is this is these are our chances to reconnect that's beautiful you played a venue and i i'm, I'm sad i didn't get to see you you played a venue um that i love because it's so weird and unique and beautiful uh it's here in dc sick mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. a synagogue that is used for sick or music and the altar is the stage and i just gotta know and you're out there and the pews are out there and there's some seats some pews what was that like to be in that venue because it's such a funky venue and i love it i wish i'd bet on what you were gonna say because i as soon as you said what your intro i was like i know exactly the venue you're talking about um <laughs> because i didn't know much about it going into it and i think i was really uncomfortable because you know there's sort of this respect you have for places like that. And you're like, well, there's some of my music I wouldn't play in a place like that, <laughs> but like <laughs> I have to, you know, people are coming to hear my, the music that I've made and, um, or at least I like to think so. And so um, I was uncomfortable going into it. And we, to be fair, we had a lot of conversations about it. Like, is this the right thing to do, you know? But it became very clear that they do a lot of events there, just both music and non-music. But uh, their whole thing is, you know, about building community. And 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 I think the the overwhelming message that I saw um, was just kind of allowing human connection um, yeah. through like honesty and like authenticity. And th- like that was sort of the, the 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 common thread to all the musical events, like outside of. <clears throat> and as soon as we got there, um, I was. It just like it made sense like the more i understood about um like the community there right the people there like what their their goals are and um and yeah i was like again just very uncomfortable not wanting to disrespect a, a very special place you know for for people um i it was the, one of my favorite shows on this tour if not my favorite like there was something really special about um the environment and just like it was like one of the most attentive audiences that i've played to on this tour it was very much like you could hear a pin drop um the acoustics were like incredible <laughs> it was just it was really like i remember i walked off stage i got on the bus and i told um my friend of house guy we record we multi-track every show and right. i was like that's the one i want it's like I want that one. If we're gonna turn this into a live, like if we're ever gonna print a live concert version of this tour, that's the one that I'm using as the like the goalpost. You know, like the that that's the bar. Because um, it just felt so personal, and it it also it you know I I felt both like I had this like bigger than life feeling, but it also felt really personal. Amazing. Yeah, I know, Matt, you said you saw the war and treaty there and it was like a religious experience, no pun intended. I mean, that I am so jealous of. Wow. Yeah, they it's 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 literally like going to the church of music. It is the most beautiful uh, venue you could ever 
uh, one of the one of my favorite places, and it's right across the street from me. I live yeah. I live literally two blocks down from that venue. It is awesome. So uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I did not expect such a such a memorable answer there. Really great. <laughs> and I know that they would not have let you get back to the bus if you didn't do talk about um, you know figuring out the set list. I want crazy, which is mm-hmm. my favorite. Hunter Hayes song of all time. No disrespect to the new stuff you do. And I just, uh, you know, it's always the first song that you find that tends to be the special one. Where do you feel like something that's really country, like I Want Crazy, really sort of country, country rock, sits with where you are now as an artist? It's all part of it. I sat mm-hmm. down, the, the wake up call for me, because really I went crazy when you think about it. <clears throat> it's got a lot of folk influence um you know some bluegrass you could say um it has some country stuff it has some blues stuff like that solo is a very blues inspired solo yeah um sort of snuck into all of those things Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of like that was my first time like we had somebody add a bunch of like synth and we had somebody add add a bunch of like very theatrical like uh percussion so when you really break it down um, it's not unlike about a boy. It's not unlike missing you. So mm-hmm. I had a, an artist that I look up to um, who I would I would classify legendary. <laughs> like has been yeah. around for you know <clears throat> was it fifty years? I think they just celebrated uh, anniversary for something. Um, sat me down. And basically just walked me through how to talk about my music because he was like, you know, and it, and that's what kind of helped me lead to Red Sky, but it's all a part of what I do. And that's why I didn't want this album to feel like a big pivot because like, it's not And there are still elements of that, that I love and I will continue to do. Um, I think, you know, I've already said it on this interview, so I won't sort of like say a ton of it again, but like, this was just my chance to do more of it. So, right. um, I, you know, I think it all like there's there's a good chance that something on the next album will sound very similar, not in, intentionally, uh, not on purpose, but probably by accident, because those are things that I love. Those are still sounds <laughs> that I love. I still love bluegrass. I still love, you know, all those things. Yeah. And then um, you really go in depth with music and your art on your weekly show, Hear Me Out, and it streams on AMP. What was the inspiration for doing uh, something like that? Missing human connection, missing live shows. Like we only played, I think like a handful, like less than 10 shows live last year. Um, wow. So it was kind of a way to keep me from going crazy <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and try a new format. I also really love hosting things. I really want to do more of it. Um, and that was kind of a chance for me to like, like get out of the the sort of like the pandemic because I you know my second show out of the pandemic um was really difficult my social anxiety it was at an all-time high and my also like my just my personal anxiety was at an all-time high uh and it was not a good experience and can I stop you there because you've been so candid with us I'd love if you could talk about that because so many people getting on stages is the cure for that or it's like riding a bicycle what what specifically had you kind of nervous headed back, he- headed after COVID, if I can ask? What, what, what really kind of triggered that for you? Well, it can be both. 
it can be yeah. um it can be that like <laughs> like the life-saving medicine it can also be like what i learned excuse me what i learned from that experience was um spending so much time alone all of us yeah right i'm not excluding myself or excluding anybody i'm also not intentionally including anyone but i think what i learned was spending so much time alone i had so many internal beliefs that it just sort of like either got on way better or way worse and so it just depended on what's you know what sort of like part of the swing you caught i caught myself on on a show day and at the time, um, I was so insecure because I hadn't played. And it was like, I, this show in particular, I'll go ahead and just kind of like be candid with you since you asked. <laughs> it was a hometown show, it was a Nashville show. Um, it was a lot of familiar faces. And I had made the decision on Red Sky to leave Nashville because I, I needed a, a fresh start. I needed, um, it, not a fresh start, I just needed, I needed to get away from all the comfort zones. I needed to get away from um, from everything that I knew, and I and I wanted a, a just a total scene change, just to give myself some sort of like breathing room to work on myself, to work on you know this understanding of my music, all the stuff. And I think that was my first show back, and you know I was I, I, it was a lot of internal beliefs. It was a lot of negative internal beliefs, and for me that's a spiral. Once it starts you know it's easy to 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 find someone in the audience and and that can confirm like that you know maybe enjoying themselves but they're standing there with their arms folded and they're just kind of looking at you they're not smiling they're not moving and it's easy to identify that person with your negative internal beliefs and go right yeah they're not enjoying it they think that i'm this and it's just like that whole thing happens while you're singing a verse <laughs> and <laughs> and it just like and it's and it spirals and it's weird and and i had to work on that because it was literally just internal beliefs you know everyone else's perception of that performance was like, man, it felt good to be back. And, you know, and like, for me, it was like, I, you know, when the dressing room and cried for 20 minutes, but, but, I, but after working on that and sort of reestablishing my relationship with performing and reestablishing my relationship with those internal beliefs, um, you know, this tour was a chance for me to get on stage for, for the reason that I, that I want, <laughs> which is just like, I love making music and I love making music for people. And I love when people connect with music that is authentic, vulnerable, and talks about feelings and um i like it's just it, it it's it's an exercise in gratitude at this point you know i'm just like really grateful to play for people who want to hear music, you know songs about that kind of stuff and and who want to create a safe space to feel it <laughs> you know and that's what our shows are they're a safe place to feel those things and like connect with people who have felt those things it's not all like super heavy right but it's um but it's all of it it doesn't exclude feelings you know on, on either end of the, the you know however you look at it so yeah so I think it, it was just that it was just like my negotiation with internal beliefs and and um and yeah just kind of getting confidence back beautiful beautifully yeah. put Hunter beautiful thank That's you great. appreciate that kind of and, left me speechless there I don't know where to go with that <laughs> and he's he's never speechless well where, where to go yeah. is is I know that this is such a big chapter for you, so it feels kind of, and we're here talking about Red Sky, the album. Go ahead and get it. If, catch those last uh, three dates of this year. There's, 
in time. Um, but it feels kind of premature to ask this, but I will ask this. Given that we're back, we're back full force, what is next? Mm. Great question. When I'm on tour, I don't think about it very much. Mm -hmm. um, just because like, I, I, I see, you know, the career that I'm lucky to have is that I get to wear different hats. <laughs> Thank God, because I'm really ADD. But um, it's, it's a really great, being on tour is day to day. Like it is the most present I get to be in my career, in my life, in my world. And so I haven't really thought about it yet. I know that I want to do an acoustic version of this album. I want to do a couple of different versions of this album and just to let these songs live in whatever format people connect with them in. Um, but I also have like 50 songs that, that didn't make this album, not because they, they're not good enough. They just didn't fit the story. And I want them to be put out. And I also, it's so funny how like time does what it does because after finishing the album, when you listen to the album, you know, if you've listened to it a little bit or you listen to it like front to back, you know, whereas some of these songs I would have told you, like, I don't know if it's the right time to release these songs because I don't know that they'll make sense without context. I feel like this album was context. And now I listen to like, there's a, there's three albums that I made out of the, the, the material that didn't make it. And it's like, I could release any of those songs literally as is no more production and they would make sense, um, I, you know, with the context of Red Sky. So I'm playing with different versions of that. Do I release all 30, 50 songs? Do I release a handful of them? Um, and yeah, and just kind of like that, I haven't moved on to the next project because I think there are so many next projects within this project that I'm just trying to make sure I don't like, I don't skip it, you know, just because I'm conditioned to leave a hundred songs behind doesn't mean I have to continue to leave a hundred songs behind. So uh, um, I don't know. And I've got fans asking about a lot of the songs that I've talked about. And um, I have reason to believe that uh, all of these songs have a purpose and a place. We just have to figure out what's the best way to put them out. You know, it's beautiful. My vote's for a live album. I'll vote for a live album. Anytime. I would love to put out a live that album for this show. tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do have one more that kind of just came up as we before we wrap here. Um, Matt's favorite show is The Masked Singer, and I know you were on it. What? Yes. Uh, the astronaut. He's going to kill me yes. if I don't. Then I'll bring this up. <laughs> what was it like doing? You know, being in a costume and performing, and then you know, people not quite knowing who you were and had to guess that. I mean, that had to be kind of exhilarating. And you made a bet earlier on the venue, so I'm going to bet your answer is something about it being freeing because you were having <laughs> such a fun time up there. Yeah, I was. And that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> um, we've gotten to know each other quite well. Um, man, it came along at the perfect time because it was right at the end of 2019. It was going into 2020. It gave me a reason to be in Los Angeles for two weeks. And, um, you know, anyone like anyone who's familiar with Los Angeles knows that like there's so many different pockets and parts to, to that, that area. I'm, I love the West coast. I love mm -hmm. like California. I have a lot of friends, you know, up and down the coast and I've, I've gotten to experience it through their lens. And so I fell in love with the West Coast and just being close to the water, you know, um, and, you know, that's there's a reason that during, you know, during the pandemic, like when I was telling you, like, I wanted the reset, 
like that was my, the first thing on my mind. That's where I wanted to go. So um, the the offer came in and it was just perfect timing. It was like a, there was a reason to be in Los Angeles for two weeks and or two months or well, how, however long I was going to be on the show it was kind of unknown. So we had to just like hold a bunch of time. <clears throat> and it was really fun. It was really bizarre. It was really bizarre. You put on the visor every day before you leave the house. You wear the hoodie, you wear gloves. Like <clears throat> the most interesting experience I've ever had. But everyone on the show is just like, it's all good energy. It's all positive. Um, it's not really like super like negative and competitive. It's very positive and just right. good. And um, and yeah, it was very freeing. You're exactly right. It was, it was freeing to like get to try stuff, um, kind of pull me out of my comfort zones, try things, figure out what worked. Some things didn't work as well, you know, and you learn and you, you, you kind of, or I'm, I'm really grateful for those experiences just as much as the ones that work. Um, and yeah, it would just be really inspiring to like finish, you know, we, we, most of our slots that we would go for like rehearsal or like blocking and things like that were all in the morning. So, you know, I would do this stuff from, you know, seven to nine and then, you know, be back to my house before like I would have normally woken up anyway and <laughs> just get started on music and work on stuff and um there was just no pressure I think it just gave me two months of no pressure and just like taking the weight off of you know we have to have a single ready by this time or we're going to be touring and you know this time and we did have all those things happening and at the same time none of those things happened for right. obvious reasons you know we landed mm -hmm. in Nashville March 1st and went into rehearsals and we never got to for that show so mm. yeah it was I'm really grateful for it because it was just like it was fun it was freeing there was no pressure and I learned so much and I met so many people that I continue to work with like my vocal coach now who's my you know one of the best vocal coaches I've ever worked with is from that show and, and I made a lot of friends from that show this was a pleasure Hunter thank you so much I really enjoyed thank this. you guys I really appreciate it. It was great to talk with you. What was your favorite part about that interview? When he opened up about anxiety, also sick than I, because it's not a venue that uh, uh, folks that I enjoy get to go to a lot. Mm -hmm. But the one time I did see a show there, like we talked about in the interview, it's just a, it's just one of those magical venues and it was really incredible. And, I don't know. It sounded like maybe he did meet and greets after the shows because they were smaller, more intimate venues. But if he didn't, the way they, because it is a synagogue, it's not built for concerts. Right. The way they, um, after the show's over, I don't know how the Warren Treaty got to the stage. They might have had a dressing room in the back that they shoved them in before the house opened in the back of the altar. But when the show's over, you, you, at least the Warren Treaty did this. I don't know if he did this, but it might be standard practice that the artist leaves the stage while the band is playing off and security ushers them up the aisle and out the back door. So it, when I say it's intimate, you get really personal. It's, it's really, really like that. Same thing with Ram's head on stage. When the shows are over, they actually prevent the people from leaving because the artist needs to go out through the lobby in order to get to the bus. So, um, because there's no parking, 
behind the venue. So this is the right. stuff you notice when you go to venues three and four and five times. <laughs> oh, I'm man. already up to 40 some odd shows by the time this airs <laughs> for this year. Oh, we're already planning for 2024. No. So what are you talking about? That's correct. That's correct. Live version of that show at Sick and I, like we talked about. I bet you're going to want to buy it on Blu-ray. So for the Music Universe podcast, you know, I- <laughs> That's another story for another podcast show. <laughs> you know what? I'm not ashamed. I mean, go find my Twitter at talk for two. You'll you'll see what I'm referencing. I tweeted. If he finds a movie or something he likes, he has to own it on Blu-ray. Thank you to. for watching and, and listening. Be sure to check us out at themusicuniverse.com <laughs> and online at tmupod.com where you can find all of our distributors as well as at the Music Uni where we are on socials. Everyone take care. And uh, hey, it's summertime. We'll see you at another show, I'm sure. Come up, say hi. We'll, we'll be glad to see you. Thank you again, Hunter. Really appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Uh